Thanks for tuning in to the Renew Life Church Lubbock podcast today. We hope this message encourages you as you allow God's word and his presence to change your life. Uh, if you don't know me, my name is Cody. I'm the campus pastor of the Renew Life Church Midland campus, and uh, things are going really, really good in Midland. I'm hearing fantastic things. I think, to, to be honest with you, this is the, the most full I've seen both services since I've ever come here. And so you guys are doing a fantastic job. Will you just give it up for your church family and your pastors? God is, uh, God is radically moving and shaking some things in our area and region. And I would just say it's, it's just such an honor and a privilege just to get to be a part of what he's doing. And I don't, get to, I don't take it lightly. So anyway, thank you for welcoming me. Keith is actually preaching at my campus this morning. And uh, I'm sure that the people are, are, are super thankful that he's there. There's a ton of people that just... Uh, love Keith and flock to him, and so um, it's been a, it's been a cool time just to get to to come back and forth and, and do this every once in a while. So I want to share something this morning. Um, I was praying, and as I was praying just for our time together this morning, I felt like the Lord said that I would be preaching to a group of people. Maybe this is you. Maybe this isn't you. Uh, maybe identify with, maybe not in this season, but probably seasons past, but uh, that I would be preaching something to people that feel stuck. Uh, stuck is a real thing that we all have been through or maybe even are in. Uh, stuck feels like the walls are caving in and nothing's going to work. Am I the only one that's ever been in the season of stuck? It rhymes with the season of, I'm not going to say that one, uh, but they're similar, right? Uh, they are very similar. <laughs> I was reading something uh, about just being stuck, and it said this. I thought this was really good. It says, feeling stuck is the overarching sense that you need to do something to move, to move you from the place that you're in to a place that you would rather be, but you can't. It's like, I know I need to change something. I know something needs to shift in my life. I know that I've been in the season for far too long. Uh, maybe, you've, maybe you've been in a symptom season for far too long. Maybe you've been in a depressed season for far too long. Anxiety has, has ruled your life for far too long. It's like, I know that I need to do something different. I just don't actually know how. I can't. I was thinking about quicksand and my discovery of quicksand when I was a kid, and I was definitely terrified. It's like suffocating might be one of my, uh, if I had, like, to say I had a fear, like, I would hate to be suffocated, be the worst thing ever, but sometimes the season of, of being stuck, it feels like you're suffocating. It feels like there's no life coming into you. Everything is only being squeezed out of you. And, and I just want to give a few things this morning uh, that I believe will help us, hopefully, uh, to get unstuck, unstuck, uh, out of this place where nothing seems to work out of this season where it seems like our relationships are falling apart, our marriages, our relationship with our kids, all of these things are kind of uh, intertwined within the season of being stuck. And uh, it's a never-ending feeling that no hope will ever come. And so I wanna, I wanna share a few things, a few thoughts with you. Uh, tips is what I actually call them in this message. So um, as I think about this idea of being stuck, I think of, uh, of my first truck, the beast is what I called it. Amen. Uh, so Texan, right? It's like, I said this in the first service. I think there actually is a song. As I remember, like going back in my mind, there's this video that you should find on, on YouTube. It's, it's the best video about new country music. Uh, actually, 2013, so it's not that new, but I think it still is terrible. Um, if you love country music, sorry if I'm offending you. There's this video you should find. It's called Why 
country music was terrible in 2013. It's the greatest video. If you don't hear anything else in my message, do yourself a favor. They sing about their trucks and all the things. Anyways, Texas thing, but I remember uh, this feeling of being stuck, and, and I had this truck that was given to me from my stepdad. It was this awesome, like, Tonka-looking kind of toy truck. It was a, a 1991 extended cab Nissan truck. It was a hard body. And Steve-O, your post the other day that you posted on Instagram about the seats that folded from the side, yeah, that was my truck, except for they didn't fold down because I had too many speakers back there in that little space. <laughs> It was like the loudest, most obnoxious thing that you've ever seen on wheels, and it was handed down to me from my stepdad, and one of the things that he told me when he gave this to me at the age of 16, he said, don't take it off-roading, and I'm like, are you even speaking English right now? Like, this is impossible. You can't give a 16-year-old a truck that looks the way that this one looked, that does the thing that this one does, and say, you have to keep it on the pavement, and so I obeyed quickly and went mudding as soon as possible because I was a heathen. And uh, we went to this place, there was like this amazing rainstorm, and there was this place called Six Mile. That's what we called it. It was off the interstate, and it was this like low depression, uh, six miles of like trails, and it would just flood. And it was like the, it was the good kind of mud. It was the kind of mud that like rednecks just kind of want to roll around in, if you're like me. And uh, like it, there was like these thin layers where there was like no sticks or no, no rocks or anything, and we would like drag each other through it on uh, our backs, whatever it was. Like it was just an amazing time. And if you've never done those things, I pray that someday you get to live. Uh, but it rained this one time, and it was amazing, and, you know, like, I, I drove down, and there's all these people there, and there's all these off-road trucks and whatnot, and there was this guy who was a senior in our, in our school at, at where I went to school in high school. He had this giant Chevy Blazer, and it was, like, six-inch lift, and it had, like, these 37 or 38-inch tires. It was huge, and it was everybody kind of, like, it was black, and when it was clean, it was nice, and chrome wheels, and it was one of those, like, just gaudy kind of looked at, at, at those kind of trucks, and so... This guy was like going through this thing called this, we called it this trench, and it was this like deep, deep water and mud, and he was like blasting through it, and he pulls up, and he spins around, and he climbs out. He's a real small guy, smaller than me, and so that's why I can talk bad about him. Um, <laughs> and he gets out, and he's like, you know, he's like, too bad the, the, the old uh, Nissan can't, can't do that. I was like, oh, it can. You know what I mean? Like, y'all know, like, don't challenge my truck in Texas, right? So... I was like, it can go forward and it can go in reverse all the way through the trench. He's like, no, it can't. Well, now I've said it. You know what I mean? Like all the people are there and like, ooh, yeah, but you can't. So I'm like, okay, watch. So I did it the right way. I went low. I went slow. Not the big splash because, no. Do it low. Do it slow. Make it painful for the guy that's the senior in the large Chevy Blazer. So I go first gear low, I, I come all the way out of the trench, the water's coming over my hood, I'm thinking, what have I got myself into? I go out of it and then I put it in reverse, because I said I would, I put it in reverse and I go all the way back through it and, I'm, and I come out of it and my truck actually makes it, which was maybe the worst thing for my ego at the time, but it, it is what it is. My truck sputtered, literally, all the way home. I don't know if it ever ran the same ever after that. It had a little bit of water in it somewhere. Uh, the thing that, uh, about this story and why I tell you this is because 
as we're going to get to being stuck, uh, the next day, you know, the, the, the mud was still there. Like, it didn't go anywhere. It didn't dry up. And so I'm like riding my high from the day before. I'm glorying in my success. I'm celebrating a little bit of me like, oh, I did that. You know, I roll, I roll up to school. My truck is like covered in mud and people are asking questions. You know, you got to tell them the story in as many details as possible with a little bit of embellishment because you're a sophomore and he's a senior. You know, all the things. And so I go back the next day, and I'm like, you know what, I'm going to go through the, I'm going to go to the next level, you know, like, you ever know how, like, pride, like, it'll just take you to some places you just don't need to be, and I found myself in the middle of the middle, stuck all the way up to the frame, had one person that I could call to get me out, and it was my stepdad, and he was not excited about being there. We get a winch truck, and we winch line, multiple tow ropes, finally we get it out, and uh, I say all that to say, like, I, I actually... I was stuck, and I've, I've been in the same kind of situation in life, I'm sure you have too, where there was nothing that I could do in my own power, I had to call on my dad to get me out of this, this position of stuck. He was the only one that I knew to call that actually probably was going to have the resources that would help me get out of this position that I was in physically, naturally, but so much of this is the same as it pertains to life and living spiritually. There are times when we get ourselves in positions by getting off track or thinking that we have what it takes to actually live life on our own, I can sustain this, I can do this, that the only call that you can actually make to get unstuck is to the Father, amen? And so I wanna dive into this topic and give you a few things that I, help, I think will help get us uh, from this place of being stuck. In Jeremiah chapter nine, uh, verses 23 through 24, this is where I'm going to go. I'm going to read out of the New King James Version. It says this, Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, and let the mighty man glory in his might, nor let the rich man glory in his riches, but let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these I delight, says the Lord. I see these scriptures that we just read as somewhat of a blueprint, if you will, for getting unstuck. And the first tip that I would like to kind of uh, introduce to you uh, to get out of this place of feeling like the walls are caving in, like you're stuck, is this. If you're stuck, stay in grace by humbling yourself and going low. Glorying or taking pride in you will cause you to actually start moving out of the grace of God that is on your life. Grace tends to lift when it becomes all about me because what I'm saying is, God, I've got this. I can handle this. Or we start celebrating us. You ever celebrate you? If you do, join the club. Did you see what I did? So good. Look, watch again. I can do it again. And if you really want me to show you bad enough, okay, yes, I can see that you want me to. I can't. Did you see what I just did? It was amazing. Do you hear how accurate my prophetic word was the other day? I executed that thing. I surprised myself. Like, the, these are real thoughts, maybe that I have and you don't. But be impressed with me is what we're saying because actually I am the one that is impressive in the equation. God is good, 
But man, if you want the real goods, I've got it. And I can teach you. I can show you how to be accurate. I can show you how to be impressive. His grace is actually what we're designed to live in and actually what we're designed to thrive in. His grace changes everything about living. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul, he was talking about uh, the season of life when he was, he, he calls himself the worst apostle because of the way that he persecuted the church. And he, he, he we know his story, it was, it was wild the way that he had this encounter with God and Jesus did these incredible things and renamed him and he becomes someone completely different. But this is where he lands all of that. And this is one of my favorite scriptures in all of the Bible. In verse 10 of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he says this, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Meaning, the thing that I'm telling you about and my, my, my terrible uh, attitude and the way that I person, that is who I was, but by the grace of God, everything that Jesus did for me on the cross, the way that he lived, died, and then was resurrected, my faith in that causes me to be what I am today, and that is a son or that is the redeemed of the Lord. That is what Paul was saying. I, I love the fact that, that the grace of God causes the most unlikely people to be able to do the most extraordinary supernatural things. But when I step into my grace or I celebrate me or I glory in me, I'm actually saying, God, that is good, but now that I have the good, let me continue to make it better. I can sustain my own way of living supernaturally. And we can't. It's this place of constantly feeling like we're stuck. Glory and grace, they go hand in hand. When I glory in him, when I take pride in him and who he is in my life, I get grace. Because I'm actually choosing to say there is someone that is better than me. There is someone that is higher than me. There is someone that knows more, uh, can do more, is more than I am. That is me going low and submitting to a higher power. That is humbling. That is humbling myself in the sight of God. And the word tells me that I get more grace when I humble myself. When I choose to glory in God, I get grace. When I choose to glory in me, I just get a giant mess. Happens over and over and sometimes, like I say, uh, if you're gonna be dumb, you better be tough. And sometimes glorying in ourselves that's pretty dumb. Let's be tough. Here's why I, I, I say this. When we celebrate or when I celebrate me and my wisdom or my decision making or my ability or my accuracy or whatever that is, what I'm saying is, God, I actually don't need your empowerment on my life in this season any longer. But we always return when we need extra. It's like, God, it was great. Thanks for coming through. It was great. I'll catch you in six months because I'm probably going to need you again. Before long, we find ourselves, when we live like this, we find ourselves in this place of just feeling stuck. Because in and of ourselves, we can't sustain our own way of living. This reminds me of four truths that one of my favorite preachers, Keith Moore, shares. They're really encouraging. He says, in you, you know nothing. In you, you can do nothing. Very encouraging, I told you. In you, you have nothing. And in you, you are nothing. Four in you truths. When I find myself thinking more highly about myself than I ought to, I'm actually falling into a place of pride where I, I, I'm having the Lord push away because I'm stepping out of grace. But if I go low, 
I get more of the empowerment on my life from him to live the way that he's designed me to live. By the grace of God, I am what I am. When we get stuck quickly, we move into the place of, of I can do this, I can make this happen. God, you're taking too long. I need you to speed this up, Lord. And because you haven't, here's what I'm going to do. You're not gonna do anything, I'll do everything. I'll make the relationship happen. Please be careful. In the words of Keith, I didn't mean to do that, it just happened. We have to be careful in these moments not to make it about me, 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 I, I, and take the reins. Humility, like I said, it gets more grace. The second tip that I would say is this. Uh, if, you're, if you're stuck, getting unstuck is going to require you to move into the place of remembering God. Cause your soul, cause your mind, your spirit to reflect on the goodness of God in the seasons where you feel like he is so far from you. A couple of ways that you can do that really simple is start taking notes and writing. Even in the seasons that are good, start writing what you can remember, all the breakthroughs and the moments in time where God has actually done something for you and you knew that it was him. Make sure that you stay in the word in the seasons of feeling stuck. It will cause you to remember and reflect on the goodness of God. You will begin to testify and prophesy to yourself of the things that he's done, which means that he actually is, is putting something in place where you're telling yourself, he's going to do it again for me. I might be stuck today, but I don't have to be stuck tomorrow because I'm reminding my soul of his goodness, and it changes everything about the way that I live. Remember God in your seasons of feeling like the walls are closing in. Jeremiah chapter 9, what we read, verse 24, he says, but let him who glories glory in this thing, that he understands and he knows me, that I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness on the earth. For in these things I delight, says the Lord. Here God restates to us who he is. He says, I am the, not a, I am the God. He's not just another one out there that, that you get to pick and choose from. He is the one. The one that brings loving kindness constantly. The one that on, uh, always makes it rain on the just and the unjust. The one that brings righteous. I put you in right standing with me. I am that God who sent Jesus to make you righteous so that you could live forever in my grace. I am that one. Remember me. In the middle of stuck, remember that it is me that does all things that are good in your life. Take pride, he says, in knowing me. If you're feeling stuck, we have to find ourselves in this place of just choosing to remember him. In Revelations chapter two, verses one through five, I, I, I really enjoy the language within these scriptures. It reminds me of, of Jeremiah chapter two, and in a moment I may couple those two together, but it says this in Revelations two, verses one through five. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, these things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands, I know your works. He's talking to this church. I know your works. I know your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say that they are apostles and are not, and have found them to be liars. And you have preserved and have patience, persevered and have patience, sorry, and have labored for my namesake and have not become weary. Verse four, nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, Repent and do the first works. 
or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. In this set of scriptures, God is, God is first love. There was a moment in time for all of us when we actually knew nothing of Jesus and then he made himself a complete reality where we transitioned from being lost and in sin, talk about being stuck, to saved and resurrected and all things became new, talk about being free. There's this moment in that that everything was new within us. It was like the, the, the courting relationship or the early stages of marriage when we were constantly interested in going after God with all that we had. Jesus, if you say it, I'll do it. Jesus, if you tell me to pray it, I'll pray it. If you tell me to say this, I'll say this. Where you go, I'll go. What you say, I'll say that kind of thing. There was this kind of passion in us for the Lord. And this church that he's writing to, they had done a lot of really great things. They had hit the nail on the heads in so many different areas. And he says, but I, I have this one thing, you've left me. I am your first love. Then he tells them this, he says, remember from where you have fallen. And what I would say that he is saying is, remember the times that I came through for you. Remember when you asked and I gave? Remember when I answered when you called? Remember the promises that you walk in because of my goodness that is on your life? Remember how you executed that one thing that was amazing supernaturally and it was because my grace was, remember from where you have fallen and then just repent. Lord, I'm choosing to say that I'm sorry and I'm turning my back from my ways and I'm choosing to go back towards yours. He says, just do the first works. Find yourself in the intimate place with the Lord. Find yourself abiding with him. Do the first works. What were the things that you were doing, men, when you were trying to win her over? What were, the, what were the first works that you were doing with the Lord when you only wanted more of this thing that you had never had and it was his grace on your life? More that you had never had that was his peace and his rest that was falling upon you daily before things got complicated when you got mature. <laughs> and God is the first love. He is saying, I am the one that keeps things moving forward in your life. Remember me. Remember me when you walk in blessing. That's the temptation. We often have these moments where we get the blessing and then we walk away from the one that gave us the blessing thinking that now that we have it, it's going to sustain us. It cannot, only he can, right? Staying in this place of remembrance to the Lord pulls us out of this place where we get unstuck, if you will. I'm gonna close with this, tip number three. Follow me for more tips afterwards if you need to. <laughs> Tip number three is take responsibility for the management of your soul. Meaning, don't let what happened continue to happen. It stopped happening years ago, yet you wake up in it and you put those same clothes, those same feelings, those same thoughts, those same actions on every single day of the week. Oftentimes, this is associated with unforgiveness or bitterness. Bitterness and unforgiveness will get you into the place where you feel stuck, while the one that you're holding accountable is walking free. Take responsibility for the management of your own soul. Some, you would say that you're stuck because, some of us are stuck because we've obtained like a level of success. We started out in this way that was pure-hearted towards God, and then it's been this slow, gradual fade that your, your success has made a way for you. 
your gift has made a way for you. And the more success that you've gotten, the less pure your heart towards the Lord has gotten. And there's this phrase that maybe you use often as it pertains to your season of being stuck. Stuck in this, in this moment feels like you're doing the same thing over and over and over. You go to work. You gotta sustain your way of living. I gotta make sure that I earn enough so that our means don't have to change. I gotta make sure that I, I'm at the office enough or that I'm pressing, I'm selling, I'm, I'm moving, I'm shaking so that, that my kids still have all the things that they need to have or that they want, whatever that is, however you would say that. There's this phrase that probably rolls out of your mouth often. I'm guilty of this. We're probably all guilty of this. I just don't have enough time to change my, my, my way of living. If, I don't, if I'm not in the office by six and if I leave before five or I leave before six, then I'm gonna fall behind. And we say, I don't have enough time for everything, but because we get glory in our doing in the seasons of stuck. When we get glory because of our ability to make things happen, because we're glorying in them, we will make the excuse that I actually don't have time to do anything other than what is bringing bread onto the table, and that comes through me. Stepping out of grace and into this moment, use this language, I don't have time. If I only had more time, it's the consistent thing that you would say that describes why you are the way that you are, why the season of your life is the way that you're that it is. Chris Valentin, he said it like this uh, once I was listening to a message. It was just kind of shook me. He said, you don't actually need more time. You need more soul. You need to make more time. You need to make, take better care of your soul and it will cause you to find time. And you could break this down really easily if the, if the soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. The way that you think the way that you feel, those two things kind of predict what you do. If your thinking is terrible, so is your emotional state. And when your emotional state and your thinking is terrible, most often you don't wanna get off of the couch. I'm gonna stress eat, even though that's not what you set out to do. I'm gonna drink, I'm gonna drink it away. Uh, you find yourself in gossip more because it makes you feel like your season of stuck isn't as bad as it seems. Your thinking influences your feelings and your feelings and your thinking influences the way that you're living. If you would manage your thinking first, treat it as a, a war, because there actually is one. There's a war raging over your thought life. Because what you think eventually makes it into your feelings, your heart, and out of the abundance of the heart, the word says that your mouth speaks or you actually do. You live. Out of the good treasure of a good man's heart flows good things. Out of the treasure of a bad man's heart, bad things flow. It is scriptural. If you're stuck, take dominion over your thought life. Go to war for your thoughts. Meaning if it doesn't line up with your word, Lord, I don't think it. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5. says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. Verse 5, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. I would say this, invasive thoughts 
and imaginative arguments. Pay attention to those two. Imaginative arguments. The defense case that you've built against the person that you haven't had a conversation with. You've already decided your rightness before you ever had a conversation. If they say this, I'm about to hit them with this. Y'all know what I'm talking about. We got spouses. She better not, she better not say that about my socks on the side of the bed today. Because I'm going to tell her, don't tell her anything. Just pick up your socks, put them in, start a load of laundry, make the bed, do the dishes while you're at it, because you're already behind. But it's true. Like, the imaginative arguments that we build in our brain often come from a place of insecurity. And that place of insecurity and those imaginative arguments are actually trying to prove to us that there's nothing wrong with the way you live. Stay ultimately in the season of being stuck because that's where you're the least productive for the kingdom of God. We have to take our thoughts captive. We have to make sure that we begin to say the things that the Lord is saying over us. In the season where your thoughts seem to dominate you and your feelings seem to follow your thoughts and then your doing looks like absolutely nothing except for just feeling like you're having the walls caved on you, you have to change your thought life. And you do that by confessing the word over your life over and over and over again. Not today, Satan. No, no, no. I am a daughter. I am a son of the Most High. I plead the blood of Jesus over myself. My thoughts, they're higher than the worldly thoughts. I have the mind of Christ. You start declaring things over your life and it changes the way that you think. Oh, I remember that time when the Lord did such and such. You bring back the things that even the Lord has done that you've written down like we talked about. And you take dominion over your thought life. You take thoughts captive. If it doesn't line up with his word, I don't think it. It takes practice. Easier said than done, but it has to be done. Because you and I both know that the enemy is relentless in his attack to sin a thought that causes you to spiral into a place of not feeling anything at all uh, as a son or a daughter and not doing anything about it. We tolerate the attack on our mind for far too long. And he's saying, one of the ways that you get unstuck is you actually take a moment and you are responsible for managing your thought life, your emotions, and the things that you're doing. The Lord has designed you to live free. Whole is the word. If you feel stuck, find yourself in places of humility. Receive more grace. If you find yourself stuck, remember the Lord and his goodness over your life. If you find yourself stuck, make sure that you're taking a, a, an inventory of your thought life, of the way that you feel and the things that you're doing, and allow the Lord to actually shift them. Amen? Would you stand? I'm going to pray for you. We're going to close it there. As we're aggressive in taking thoughts captive and doing these things, I, I believe that we walk further into Scripture and the reality of Scripture. For John 2, it says, Beloved, I pray that you prosper in all things and that you be in health just as your soul prospers. As you take an inventory of your life and your soul, as you take authority over your thought life, as you... As you heard or gather in your emotions and as you choose to actually let these things change your living you walk into prosperity and you walk into health because your soul is actually looking more like your spirit is becoming perfected in Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for listening today. 
If you'd like to join us in person for church, Renew Life meets every Sunday morning at the YWCA at 6501 University Avenue in Lubbock, Texas. For more information on our ministry, check out renewlifechurch.com or find us on social media. We hope to see you soon.